0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Brooks Forsyth. Hey, everyone. We have another new panelist, and that's Brad Large.
1: Hey, how's it going? Brad,
0: do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Sure. So my name is Brad Large. I'm out of
1: Columbus, Ohio. Uh, recently uh, became a graduate of the, the Freelancer Show and started freelancing uh, for a side hustle. So I've been following the show for a while and uh, uh, recently got my first clients and jumped in.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And uh, this week we have a special guest and that's Mike Vulcan. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, we found you, I think you emailed me about your freelancer masterclass and I'm like, this looks really cool. And then um, your email mentioned neuroplasticity and neuroscience and yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm kind of going. Okay, you said that there was a connection. I'm like, I got to hear about this. So, uh, yeah. we invited you on the show. Do you want to just kind of give us the ten thousand foot view of what we're talking about, and then we can dive in and ask you all of our questions?
2: Um, yeah. So, um, neuroscience, neuroplasticity, all that's getting really exciting, especially in the last decade, if not the last five years, because it's only until recently scientists have been able to actually use technology to see inside your brain and see the connections that are happening and see the effect that is occurring with certain thoughts, certain actions, certain emotions. Uh, and you know, in the past, it's been known, you've know, you probably heard the movie or the documentary, The Secret, and you've heard Tony Robbins and all these other motivational speakers talking about how your thoughts can affect your actions, but only until recently have we been able to confirm that and confirm the extent of it. So there's a lot of really cool things happening around brain science right now.
0: Nice. When I'm building a new product, G2i is the company that I call on to help me find a developer who can build the first version. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile engineers who you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2i has the talent you need to accomplish your goals. Go to devchat.tv slash g2i to learn more about what g2i has to offer. In my experience, g2i has linked up with experienced developers that can fit my budget and the g2i staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works and can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. Go to devchat.tv slash g2i to learn more about g2i. So yeah, a lot of this, yeah, it just boils down to how your brain works and how it affects your life, how it affects your decisions. Um, I've been hearing some really interesting things about, you know, whether or not we actually have free will, and how susceptible we are to certain types of suggestion and things like that. Um, I think the thing that's really interesting here, though, is that you're talking about, in fact, the the title you suggested for this episode was the neuroplastic entrepreneur. So what, what does neuroscience have to do with entrepreneurship?
2: Yeah, so there's several ways that an entrepreneur can take advantage of, uh, you know, all the the new term neuroplasticity, which is basically boils down to uh, your your brain's ability to create new uh, neurons, uh, new neural pathways. Uh, I studied neuroscience in grad school as far back as 2000. And everything I learned in that class, we now know is completely false. Uh, the, first thing, <laughs> the first thing we were taught when we walked in, we were like, you know, in our young 20s, the, the professor said, uh, hey, now that you're, you're in your 20s, your brain is only in maintenance mode. And his job for the rest of its life is to um to stop its de- decaying process and we now know thats that couldn't be further from the truth we're learning that your brain is making connections every single day um and i like to picture it as you know you're making a new path in, in snow you know the first time you experience something new the first time you have you read a new book the first time you learn something uh you're creating a new path in snow but as that emotion strengthens for that particular action Um, That snow path gets deeper and and it gets walked on more. It gets more defined. And that same thing is happening in your brain. Uh, So from an entrepreneur's perspective, there's a lot we can learn from that. Um, I've actually put together um, for this podcast, several tips that an entrepreneur can specifically do. Uh, to increase their abilities as an entrepreneur. So many times we're thrusted into the position of CEO, especially freelancers. Um, You know, We have an idea or a service we want to start providing to other people, and all of a sudden we find ourselves managing others, um, and we we get, I guess, caught up in a day-to-day. So the first thing I would say as an entrepreneur uh, in terms of neuroplasticity and to increase the neural connections in your brain is to get sleep um your brain needs to reset its brain connections that's the most important thing for memory and for learning and studies show that just one night of losing sleep restricts your brain's ability to reset itself so uh, which of course impairs your memory among other things so a solid 7 to 9 hours of sleep is highly recommended i don't know if there's any studies out there for you know an entrepreneur getting less sleep than others i can only imagine as a serial entrepreneur myself you know i've built and sold four companies I can tell you from experience that from everybody that I know, I get much less sleep or in the past I have, uh, than, than other people. We don't clock in at, at eight and out at five. So, you know, tip number one for all your entrepreneurs is to get enough sleep because being an effective entrepreneur relies directly on being disciplined, being priority driven, being focused on your goals. And you really can't do that in a tired state of mind.
0: Of course, he says this after I stayed up late playing games with my wife and then got up early. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm on my third cup of coffee here. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, I mean, as a side hustle, that's that speaks directly to me. Uh, it was like a year ago that I realized I was running on too little sleep. And I, I actually started, you know, I didn't even look at it from the neuroplasticity angle. But holy smokes, once I started getting more sleep and prioritizing that it did make a huge difference.
2: Yeah, it definitely does. And let me ask you this, since we're all on a podcast, and our listeners can't see us now. Tip number two is to stand up. If you sit down at work, Stand up. Your brain is more active when you're standing. And when I have, I have a stand-up desk, but when I'm at work and I'm not standing, I want to take a break from standing. I use my kneeling chair. How many of you are, are standing right or sitting right now?
0: I'm sitting. I, my desk will stand up, but
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting right now.
0: Uh, okay, I'm in a recliner, so I'm beyond sitting. <laughs> So I have questions about both of these just to kind of uh, start off with. So when you say sleep seven to nine hours, I mean, how do you know if you got enough sleep? I mean, so I've been listening to Tom Bilyeu on uh, the impact theory podcast a bunch. And he talks about, he just goes to bed and then he just wakes up when he naturally wakes up. And for me, I don't, I can't really do that because I have to get up, get kids up, make sure they get off to school. It's, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I could go to bed earlier, but sometimes that's hard too. So, I mean, it's it's easy to say, but A, how do I know if I got enough sleep? And B, do you have any tips for actually getting enough yeah. sleep?
2: Really good question. Two things I would have answered before you said, you can talk about the impact there. So wake up when you naturally can. But since that's not an option, there's some really cool technologies out there, some apps, some wearables where you uh, it will wake you up. You know, if you're wearing a wristwatch, for example, uh, an Apple watch, uh, it'll vibrate in your wrist and, and wake you up at the right time, whether you're in REM or outside of REM, you know, rapid eye movement. Uh, so, you know, sometimes when you wake up, you kind of feel groggy, even though you got enough sleep, that's because you woke up, um, because at the wrong time of your sleep cycle. So in terms of waking up and feeling refreshed, it's a whole timing thing. Your brain goes in certain cycles when it's sleeping. So if you really want to wake up refreshed, check out some of those apps and wearables that help you uh, wake up correctly and fall asleep correctly.
0: Yeah, I've used some of them before. I think one of them is called Sleep Cycle on the iPhone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I should do that. Because sometimes, yeah, I, I know I want or need to get up at a certain time in order to get the stuff done that I'm planning on doing. And yeah, I wake up and I'm like, uh, and I just want to go back to sleep. And then sometimes I wake up and I'm ready to get out of bed. And so, and I think, I think you're right. I think that's what it is, is I'm just, I'm starting to come around because of the alarm at about the time that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at the, the higher cycle, you know, closer to awakeness.
2: Yeah. And you know, another minor tip that won't appeal to a lot of people, but, um, something that helps you wake up as well. And I kind of do it. It's a daily affirmation. It's three things that you're thankful for on that day. Uh, That kind of gets you excited uh, and focused for the day, Uh, whether it be something in your life or some, you know, a new contract you signed as a freelancer, some work you want to do that you really enjoy. Uh, Maybe you're taking half a day off, whatever the case, just say it to yourself in an action statement, not like, you know, I am going to more like I will. Um, And that really helps you wake up too uh, from a mental perspective and get those neurons working.
3: So I I do something similar. I have a sweet tooth. So I think uh, what, what sort of dessert could I sneak out of the kitchen? You know, that, that pulls me right out of bed. If there's something like leftover brownies, um, I'm up and out of there. You're reclining but, with
2: brownies at seven o'clock in the morning. This is uh we gotta do some changes here. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. How far nice. am I from the cookies? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I I thought it was kind of funny that you brought up the sleep cycle thing, because when I was in the military doing uh, aircraft maintenance, you slept when you could, right? And that didn't always line up with a cycle. And so there were definitely times where you'd be out there, you know, trying to catch some Z's and then just wake up and it was almost worse. And then I read an article uh, a few years later about the most scientifically perfect nap called the Nappuccino. And you you basically chug a coffee, you sleep for 20 to 25 minutes and then wake up so that you don't pick up any what's called sleep inertia. And if you're really down, like if you're not getting enough sleep, that can like give you a jolt. But, you know, I I don't think that's a long term solution to get a, you know, miss a bunch of sleep and then pull a bunch of nappuccinos. But uh, it definitely does help.
2: Yeah, you don't definitely don't want your aircraft maintenance personnel falling asleep or being unfocused. It's like, oh, we put in the engine backward. You want to figure that out midair or something? So, yeah. Yeah. It's a whole different level of mess
1: up when uh when it's on aircraft. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, thanks for your service. You were in the Air Force? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Very good.
0: Yeah, I have a brother in law in the Air National Guard and he does avionics and stuff. So Oh, that's cool. Yeah, interesting stuff. I was in the stuff. army for
2: eight years, and one thing they definitely don't want you to do in basic training is sleep. That was uh, the first thing. <laughs> that, uh, any, more, any more than four and a half or five hours, you, uh, you consider yourself lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they
0: got deprivation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh,
2: let's go. If you want to go through another tip, um,
0: what was to, your second tip? Because I had a question about that too, and I can't. Oh, remember. The,
2: the standing up or using a kneeling chair, using a stand-up right. desk or a kneeling chair.
0: So some people have trouble standing up for a long period. Do you have any? recommendations as far as how much you should do it and ways to make that easier?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm actually reading a really good book right now that talked about the science behind that. It's called peak performance. If anybody wants to check it out. Um, but, uh, so this, he actually, this author referenced a number of studies regarding standing up at work and how often to do it. And, um, you know, that's the reason why I mentioned a kneeling chair, you can get them at target or anywhere online. Kneeling chairs are cheap. You probably, they're really popular in the eighties, but, the the key number in in his studies in this book peak performance um was 52 and 8 that means stand up for 52 minutes if you can and kneel for eight that keeps your brain in an optimal position um, to stay focused and motivated
0: oh interesting yeah the i you said kneeling chair and i'm like boy that sounds expensive but yeah i'm i'm finding them for like you know 40 50 bucks on amazon
2: i got mine at target like 5 years ago and it was like $45 And, uh, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's lasted a long time and it's super comfortable. And honestly, when I plop down at the end of the night with, you know, on the sofa, it's kind of uncomfortable. I don't like sitting down anymore because my, I just feel tired and, you know, my brain just feels half, half asleep as soon as I do that. So when I'm kneeling, I just feel so much more focused and active.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have to try that out. Like I said, I have a standing desk. One thing that I have, and it's one of the motorized ones. So I just push the button and it goes up. One thing that I've done too, is I have one of those, uh, heavy duty standing mats. It it's, you know, it's what like three quarters of an inch or an inch thick. And, uh, it's, it's kind of the ones that you see like the Walmart greeters standing on. Yeah. Those Walmart. are really
2: great for feet fatigue too. You talked earlier about not wanting to stand up for a long time or some people can't, and that's perfect for that.
0: Yeah. Well, and I've taken up running too. And so if it's after a run, I'm less inclined to stand for a long period of time because I get worn out faster, but uh, other than that, I mean, just just having exercised on a regular basis, it makes standing up for longer periods easier, too. For sure. Good tip.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things that I do is uh, I use like I still use Pomodoro. So I'll, I'll yeah. do like 25, 30 minutes and then I'll make myself get up for five to you know, 10 minutes, you know, probably grab a coffee or some water and get back to it. But that makes for, a difference you, for, for sure. Pomodoro, do
2: you use an app to remind you how, how does the timing go for you?
1: Uh, it's almost ingrained in my head at this point, I've been doing it for about two years, okay. but the, there are great timers out there. If you just search Pomodoro timer, like, you know, just, um, uh, from any browser, it'll pop one up. I know Google has one that they use and there are a ton, I think there are a few free apps on, uh, iPhone and Android for it as well. Um, yeah, I was looking yeah, that
0: I mean, yesterday for that. Yeah, I actually yeah. have a physical timer.
2: Oh, yeah, nice
0: on my desk and so I don't want to set it because then it'll go off in the middle of the show and it looks like one of my kids has actually goofed it up because it's
1: <laughs>
0: it, it, it was set to 40 and it wasn't ticking so they probably just twisted it around my my four-year-old likes to come in here and play with my stuff but uh, that works too I the the problem I have with the apps is that um, I don't want a big jarring sound which is what most of the Um, phone apps do. And if I'm running it on my computer, I tend to squash all the sounds on my computer because I don't want them to show up in podcast recordings. So sounds good. That's my hack. Um, I also use a system called Kanban flow, which is kind of like a Trello board with swim lanes, but it has a built in Pomodoro timer. And so I'll use that. And then, um, if I miss the notification, yeah, that's where this uh, timer that sits on my desk comes in is that if I miss that timer, Usually this thing will go off 30 seconds after, and then it's like, oh, and the Pomodoro. Yeah,
2: is the Kanban flow within Trello or is that a separate company?
0: No, it's a separate company, kanbanflow.com. Interesting,
2: I'll check it out, good tip.
0: Yep, I'll actually post, um, my friend John has a video on how he uses it because he doesn't use it strictly like you use a Trello board. He uses each swim lane as a different day and then, or each column is a different day and then you just kind of plan the tasks that you want to spend Pomodoro's on in each day. Very cool. That does sound neat. Yeah. Anyway, what's your next tip? Sorry. Next tip.
2: Next tip to continue learning. You need to learn something new, learn a new language, read a new book, play a new sport, strengthen your skills as an entrepreneur by taking an online course, whatever sounds fun to you. If you exercise, try a new workout, you know, learning something new strengthens the brain and keeps it very neuroplastic. That means you're, when I say neuroplastic, that means your neurons are making more connections, making deeper connections. And speaking of exercising, that's another thing you can do to help your brain because exercising increases the oxygen supply to your brain, which helps in a number of levels. And you talked about, you know, putting a foam mat, whether it's a wobble board type of mat, um, you know, even sitting or standing at your desk could be some form of exercise to keep your core engaged that dramatically helps your focus. Uh, So that, you know, continuing to learn and as a subset, um, even exercising while working out without even realizing you're exercising uh, vastly improves the neural connections in your brain. Brooks, did you want to give us some tips on exercising at work with your brownies in your recliner?
3: <laughs> so the only thing I'll say is my wife, after years of, uh, she, she let me get a dog and uh, that has increased my exercise uh, okay. tenfold, um, you know, take them on walks. Yeah. What yes. kind of dog? Uh, it's a mix. It's half a German shepherd, half a poodle. Okay. So um, the dog is
2: very active.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, I'm doing at least three miles a day. Um just walking. Wow. Nice. Yeah, so. great. Which, which has helped a, a lot in my energy and things like that. I think so. It's good.
2: All right. So for all your freelancers out there who don't have dogs, who want to increase the neural connections in your brain, go get a dog. Yeah. That's a great tip.
0: One, one tip that I found that worked for me, I ran a marathon in in October and the thing that worked for me to get me out was just hiring a coach. Wow. So yeah, then I I had a workout every day. I didn't have to do anything other than just, yeah. Congrats on that marathon. Go do it. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's
1: one thing I, I wanted to do a half marathon, you know, just bucket list kind of thing. And, uh, the, the, I didn't have a coach, but I had my, my wife, she, uh, she had already run a half marathon and she was an avid runner for a few years. And, uh, so her, you know, just having that accountability and having a goal, uh, that made it a lot more fun, I think. And, you know, being in the national guard, you have to keep up on that stuff anyway. So I'm kind of lucky in that regard. Um, it does keep it motivating to get out there and run and, and be fit, but.
2: Yeah. Good tip. I mean, that was one of my tips I wrote down is, to find your purpose and set goals. You know, if your brain is motivated and alert, then you go through life more focused, then your brain becomes and continues to be very neuroplastic. Um, and it increases the neural connections in your brain. So always have a purpose and set goals, whether it's short or long-term. You know, I know it sounds morbid, but you know, you look down at your at your gravestone, what are people, you know, what is it gonna say? What are people gonna say about you at your funeral, um, that, you, that you're a good, that you're fast at paying your bills? Is, you know, is that, is that uh, important enough or or did you uh, help thousands of entrepreneurs uh, live the life they want to lead or did you write five books and, or 10 books or whatever your purpose is, make sure that that's a goal.
0: Yep. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out.
1: I was just going to ask you a, a quick question about the last tip. Um, so as you go through and you, you want to keep learning things, right? But I remember, and, and since I, am um, like side hustling and doing this, sometimes I get caught up in like learning things a little like too in depth, or do you have any tips for people? Like, you know, how to balance that? Uh, need to learn and improve things and do all that but then also, you know prioritize what's going to make an impact for your your business versus what you know uh, like Maybe a tip between how to determine if you should just make something a hobby and learn about it on the side or if it You know not to get confused between your your business learning and you know learning for fun, I guess
2: Yeah, I mean is the question along, along the lines of balancing time and what you're learning. Yeah, I think so yeah. So, I mean, in terms of the, it's funny because my wife and I were just not really arguing, but talking about that last night and having a difference of opinion. She is extremely detail oriented. It's required for a job. Um, she does, uh, she works for uh, Charles Schultz. She does uh, Snoopy and Charles Brown, Charlie Brown um, drawings and stuff. And she has to be extremely detail oriented as an artist. I, on the other hand, look at a 30,000 foot overview, do a couple things and move on. Um, but she can dwell on something and I can't. So one of the, the things that I was talking to her yesterday is about um, the way time management has been taught has kind of been all wrong. Uh, Time management has been taught like, here's your task for the day. Let's go ahead and prioritize them and just do the highest priority things first. And if you have time, you can do the the lowest priority things. The problem is you're always going to have something that seems like a high priority. um, And you never get to those, those low priority or even medium priority items. Um, What I like to do is I like to think about time as if, you're, you're multiplying time. Um, and there's a speaker, I believe his name is Roy Vader, talks about um, how you can multiply or compound time like you compound money, like interest compounds. What you do is you think of t- time in the same way as, you, as compounding money. So whatever, think about all the tasks you do, not on a daily basis, but on a weekly or monthly basis that you can outsource. And you, you balance that in terms of how much time would it take me to create a video like a loom.com video to teach someone how to do something. Let's say it takes an hour, and then you can outsource that to a virtual assistant on Upwork or something for $8 an hour, and they can do that task every week, every month, and save you 15 hours, then you're your 15xing x your time there. Um, so every every time, if you wanna start this process, I did this last month, every time you're doing a task, you write down on a piece of paper on the site, can I outsource this, yes or no? If so, how long, how many hours will it take me to teach someone how to do this? And then you write down the hours, and then you, you just go on a, a week long binge of just creating these processes or these videos that you can send to a VA. And now you have all this free time that you would have been doing yourself. And you can stay focused on the highest and best use of your time, whether it's prospecting for more clients or, or bill, you know, increasing your bill rate. Now your VA is doing a lot of stuff that you would normally find routine in your day that takes up a lot of your time. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, yeah, that makes total sense. And part of the reason that I was asking is recently I, I did a uh, like freelancer workshop by Seth Godin. Like I went through his freelancer workshop and the, one of the biggest key takeaway or one of the key takeaways I had was that um, all these people were offering these different perspectives about things that, you know, they couldn't outsource or, and I was, you know, I'm from an IT background. So I was like, Oh, you could automate that easily. Or you, you know, if you had a system in place, you might be able to chunk that up. And, but what, the takeaway I had was in offering this advice was, man, I need to take my own medicine here. There are a lot of things that I could implement systems leverage here and and get my time back. And, uh, you know, I think just regularly looking at that and having some kind of outside perspective could go a long way towards that. So, no, it was really good to hear your process there about how you, you know, even going through your daily lists, whether you say, Hey, can I outsource this or not? I think that's something that if you build into your, your systems, your process that, that could definitely compound your time, as you said.
2: Yeah, I mean, this, this morning alone, I forwarded about eight emails to my VA, which would have taken me personally about two and a half hours to do, um, to actually do myself these tasks and these emails. Now my VA did it. It took me about eight seconds to forward these emails to my VA. And I know that she's gonna do it because she's done it before. It takes no training for me anymore to do. And she, she knows how to do it. So now I really just freed up two and a half hours out of my day just by having the VA do it.
0: One one thing that I, I've seen a lot of, with this too is, yeah, um, so I, I did this with some of the stuff that I, I really needed to offload. And then what wound up happening was the person that I offloaded it to didn't do it, <laughs> right? And so it, it put me in a weird position because after a month or two, I had all of this, you know, uh, prospecting basically um, that hadn't been done. And so it's like, okay, now I've got to go and find... Uh, new sponsors to go into the new year and I'm basically scrambling to do it. And so there's, there's some level of accountability on this too, right? Yeah. I know.
2: And that's a really good point. And, uh, to be honest with you, I have two VAs. So um, I, for example, this is the flow. I forward those emails to my primary VA, my virtual assistant, uh, those eight that I just told you about. And I have another VA that makes sure it gets done and she has Trello cards. And then I just make sure the Trello cards are checked off and moved uh, from one location to another in Trello Um, That means um, somebody is staying accountable because I don't want to spend my time looking and checking over stuff because that that takes just as long as doing it sometimes. Right. Now I have two VAs, they're about $8 an hour and I have one that doesn't even know the other one exists and all she does is check to make sure stuff is done. Um, So now I have two VAs for 16 bucks an hour doing at least two and a half, if not four hours of work for me a day. And I can go out and I can build clients at $190 an hour, which is my bill rate right now. And now I'm making a lot more money than, and I was in the past just by outsourcing.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Going back to the learning for a minute, um, I'm a little curious on that. Um, you mentioned like learning a language or something mm-hmm. like that. And so are you talking about, because like I could go learn SEO, right? Or I could mm-hmm. go learn things that are, you know, directly applicable to my business. Are you talking about that kind of learning? Or are you talking about the sort of learning a language or... Um, picking up a skill that's not directly related to your business?
2: Good question. And here's my answer. It depends. Okay. So you can learn something within your trade to strengthen your skills that absolutely creates new neural pathways and the neuroplasticity in your brain. However, if you feel you're at the point where you're stressed at work and you're too full, um, you know, at the end of the day where you're just like, I didn't have enough time in the day. That's when you should continue learning something outside of your normal trade. It just keeps your brain active and keeps those neural pathways Um, keeps you creating new neural pathways in your brain keeps it very neuroplastic so it really depends if you feel stressed out at work if your plate is full then i wouldn't um, take time to learn seo and you can learn you know how to ski or or read a new book or whatever the case may be whatever you've always wanted to learn but never really took the time to do
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense to me i mean i think back when i get heads down in code and i you know i get I'm almost like reinforcing the same behaviors and the same looking at I look at the same spot in the code I I keep going back it can't be that and then when I step away and even if I watch a movie or read a book or whatever by the time I come back to it it's like I shook something loose and it's I instantly see the bug or the issue that I was having
3: yeah very true yeah I, I agree with that I think uh one of the things I picked up a couple of years ago I was taking care of uh coral reefs uh you know growing coral in a saltwater tank. And there's a lot of science behind that and w- when I get tired of just the day to day, I can dive into that and and learn more about that
2: that's great, and there's a lot to learn about that too I have a, oh yeah and i've never never stopped learning, so. yeah.
1: I think that's always funny because the the hobbies of engineers are always different. Like that's, it's like an extremely technical scientific hobby, which yeah. is great. And I jumped into brewing my own beer and everybody was like, Oh, you just want cheap beer. No, they, they come and see yeah. like all my setup for, you know, steeping the grain and figuring out the recipes and do it. I have more fun coming up with the recipes than I do, you know, uh, anything else, but just the, the engineering process behind it and creating the creativity behind it is both kind of exciting. So it's always interesting to hear other engineers' hobbies.
3: <laughs> yeah, I guess
2: everybody's different on what they want to learn. I've had I've taught freelancers um, this tr- you know tip of learning whatever they want to learn outside of work, and I asked them what they're learning, and some of the some of the answers are surprising. Some of the things I would have never thought. Oh, I always wanted to learn how to do floral arrangements, or you know, stuff I would have never thought of. But hey, whatever floats your boat. I'm really right now. I'm into um, reading. My goal is to read eight books a day. I'm sorry, eight, eight books a month. Um, so I'm trying to, you know, knock out a couple a week. And that's something I've never really been a reader, but I'm making a focused effort to do so. And I just, I can tell you, I feel more focused at work, more energized, uh, whether it's regarding, you know, my passion, which is tennis or being a better entrepreneur. I'm, you know, I have three books on being a better entrepreneur and five on tennis. And um, it just keeps me, uh, keeps me very neuroplastic. Um, yeah, I think that's, I'll oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say one, one more tip for you guys in terms of neuroplasticity. My last tip would be to reduce stress. Uh, the best way, uh, and I know, and I'll ask Brad and Brooks and uh, Charles, you know, if you guys do this, but the best way is daily meditation or mindfulness. It's free, super easy to do. It's, it's quick. You really can't do it wrong. And, you know, there's no excuse. If it's free, it's easy. You can do it anywhere. I started meditating last year for 10 minutes a day. I felt kind of weird when I was first doing it, but, uh, and I really didn't get anything out of it. It took a couple of weeks. I started noticing a difference. And if you have a smartphone, there are tons of apps that will guide you through the, the first few lessons for free. And stress is an absolute killer on your brain. It not only reduces your lifespan, studies have shown, but it also diminishes your brain's neuroplasticity faster than anything else. Um, and us humans are more stressed and distracted from the present moment than, than ever before. And meditation will help with that. I mean, if you're against meditating, the next best, best thing is is to unplug from your your technology, connect with nature, go for a hike, go camping, or even travel. And I don't mean like traveling on a plane. You could just go some, somewhere in your car that's never been before in your city near where you live. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll kick this back to you guys. Have you ever done meditation or do you practice it daily or weekly? Yeah, so I started uh, doing the
1: I had heard a, like a Ted talk or something where the guy was talking about happiness. And he said, if you want to be happier, you know, then write down these three things every day, three things you're grateful for, you know, something you're looking forward to, you know, it was a couple of things. And, um, and I did that for a month and I've done, uh, you know, also meditation or prayer or anything like that, that you're just getting your thoughts out there, I think is like super positive for reducing stress and the, you know, the, the new experiences and, and just stepping away, you know it's kind of, I'm a life, like I I love to read. I've been learning all different kinds of things since I can remember. And um, I think that that's been really good for stress as well. Just having that varied experience when you were talking about, uh, you know, reading, that's one of the things that I mainly do for stress reduction. It just puts me right at ease.
2: That's great. How many times or how many minutes a day do you do it?
1: I try. uh, Well, man, it depends on if you ask me or my wife, she'd probably say a lot more. (laughs) <laughs> I lose track of time when I'm reading. Uh, if I if I meditate or something like that, then I usually do some yoga. It'd be like five or ten minutes, probably. Just try to you know stay loose and get in the
2: right, right mental state. Right, Brooks. How about yourself? Have you ever tried meditation before?
3: You know, I've I've never um, I've never tried it. Um, I'm not against it or, or opposed to it. The the only I, I can relate to unplugging again, going back to getting a dog is uh, you know just being on a walk with no headphones in and, and, you know, the cell phone's there, but it doesn't go off. Right. Like I usually have tell them silent and that is very, uh, relaxing, uh, just to have that time with no distractions.
2: Right. And one of, you know, a lot of my students, when I talk to them about meditation, they say stuff like, uh, you know, walking their dog. Let me, let me just, um, clarify the difference between meditation and mindfulness. Meditation is is a state of emptiness of kind of emptying your brain of thoughts as best as you can. Uh, mindfulness is the feeling of being in a present moment, like walking your dog and being unplugged from technology. They're actually two very different things. I do both of them. Um, you know, just this morning, it was raining out and I was in my spa in my backyard and I was just being mindful uh, for 10 minutes, um, just feeling the rain on my face and the, the warm water on my body. And it was just awesome. It uh, really cleared my mind. Um, so there's two different practices around there. So for all you listeners out there that want to know the difference, that's, that's the difference. I am really into something called creative visualization. Have any of you heard about creative visualization? Is that no, like I a have oh gold
3: sword or
2: Yeah, so let me tell you about this. Um, creative visualization is a part of neuroplasticity. I highly recommend every entrepreneur does it daily. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I'm a, I'm a competitive tennis player. So at last year's US Open, a 19-year-old woman named Bianca Andreescu, she made history by becoming the first player to win the Open in her main draw debut. It was the first time she ever played. And she played in the main draw. Uh, she's never played in the main draw before, but she tried to make it. She she lost in the qualifying rounds just the year before. She's only 19. So naturally people started asking her how she went from losing in the qualifying rounds one year, then going on not only to win it the next year, but to beat Serena Williams, the best player in history in straight sets. And her answer was creative visualization. And that's when I started doing it. And she practices it daily. So I started doing it too. And it's cr- directly re- t- uh, tied to keeping your brain very neuroplastic. And there are certain techniques on how to make creative visualization more effective. Uh, So I learned how to do it. And I was, I'm doing it now three times a day. It's only seven minutes for each session. So 20 minutes a day. And what you do here is, or what I did as an example, is I pictured myself playing better tennis, hitting a harder serve right in the corner, holding a trophy over my head and all the feelings And visuals that come with that. I'm actually imagining that. Now, the thing is your brain doesn't know the difference, whether you're experiencing it or, or thinking it, um, that, that inner part of your brain just connects your, your hands, your feet, your your whole body to what your brain is feeling. So after three weeks of doing this, I had my first match and I'm, I'm in a very competitive tennis league. And to be honest, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a champion. I actually lose more often than I win in this particular league, but we travel all over Northern California. We play other teams. And I played someone who has a good record. And after three weeks of doing this, um, uh, I won my, my match, my first match, uh, 6-0, 6-0. I've never done that before. I, the, my opponent never got a, a single game off me. Uh, I just played out of my mind that day. And in fact, the opponent got in his car after the match and stormed off and complained to the team captain that I was in the wrong league. He thought I was some kind of ringer. So from then on, I was hooked on creative visualization. I've been doing it ever since. In the following week, I actually won six two six zero. So there's no reason that any entrepreneur listening can't improve their their entrepreneurial skills through creative visualization. They just have to believe that it will work and understand that it isn't an overnight process. So if you wanna know how to do it, I think it goes beyond the scope of this podcast, but just Google how to do creative visualization. Um, There's a whole bunch of new scientific research out to show how powerful it is, but I think you guys should definitely give it a try for a month.
1: See, that's really interesting to hear because one of the things that I changed uh, a few months ago when I decided to, uh, you know, start freelancing, do do that, do it as a side hustle was to every week do a, like a planning slash dreaming session. If I do these things, what are the best case scenarios? And I started doing this and I, I, I mean, it was, there was three things that I wanted to do and that was one of the three. Uh, The other had to do with, you know, creating content and getting leads. But the creative visualization of my business, I mean, it was really kind of spooky how the minute I started, like kind of increasing my luck surface area, as well as, you know, visualizing the steps that I was going to take or the state that I was going to be in, uh, how quickly things started to fall into place.
0: Yeah. Back when we were starting up new shows, one of the shows that got started was Views on View. And one of the things that was really fun about that is that I got to know a bunch of really terrific people in the View community. And furthermore, one thing that happened that really hadn't happened on any of the other shows, we actually got a member of the core team to come on as a regular panelist on the show. We have Chris Fritz on there. The other thing is, is you may recognize some of the other voices, Ben Hong, who's on the official View News podcast, is also a panelist on the show. He's worked for Politico and now works for GitLab. We also have a bunch of other terrific panelists that come on and talk to you about what's going on in the Vue community. And because they're so closely tied to Vue and they talk to people about Vue all the time, they're very up-to-date and very knowledgeable about what's going on in the Vue community. So if you're looking for a way to learn Vue.js or if you're looking for a way to stay current with Vue.js and kind of have the water cooler conversations you wish you could have about it in places where maybe they're not using it, then definitely check it out. You can find it at viewsonvue.com. It's amazing. Once your
2: brain has some kind of goal, uh, it will go after it, even subconsciously. Um, There is a uh, some self-help creative visualization aids online. The best one that I found is by a guy named Shad Helmstetter. Um, He has these audio pieces you can download. I just did one on financial success. So I've been all month been listening to his audio, his self-talk audio tapes on financial success. Um, but he wrote The Power of Neuroplasticity and, and talks about creative visualization. So um, what you can do, Brad, is just continue to think about that um, kind of visual vision board that you've created for yourself and your goals. Think about it every single day. Deepen those neural um, pathways that you've created already and really ingrain that in your head. And the more you do that, the more you'll see it, it'll be it'll come true. It's it's amazing and kind of spooky, weird how how it uh, comes full circle and you can kind of get everything you want out of life just by, just by uh, solidifying some things that you, in your your subconscious.
0: Yeah. There's a, what's the book? It's by Joe uh, Dispenza. um, Building the Habit of Being Yourself. I think it's it's something like that. Yeah. He's great. Uh, And it's the same kind of thing. I mean, he talks about, you know, programming your brain to, you know, like healing and things like that. Um, and, and there's a lot of power in that kind of visualization. And I, I really, really enjoyed his his book and his outlook. And he has, some, uh, he has some meditations that run for like an hour and a half that will walk you through a lot of this stuff too. But it's, it's fascinating to me just how powerful the brain is and how if you give it a problem to work on, it'll figure out how to solve it. And so by yeah. by doing this kind of work, you can really make a lot of headway.
2: Agreed. It's uh, I was very hesitant at first. I always thought that was some kind of California hippy dippy stuff. Um, but uh, you know, now that I start doing it, I am all in. So uh, I just uh, i I look for chances now to take a ten minute break and do some creative visualization because I'm just excited about all the things that can be done, whether it's on a personal life or professional life. It uh, it can help in every aspect.
0: Yeah. One one other thing I'm going to throw in here. So I did a challenge. Um, I started in June. I finished it in in October. And it's called 75 hard. And uh, essentially it's, you work out twice a day for 45 minutes. Uh, One of the exercise sessions have to be outside. Um, You have to read a book for 10 minutes or no, you have to read 10 pages out of a book. Sorry. You have to stick to your diet. You have to post to social media and you have to drink uh, a gallon of water every day. And if you, if you break the chain on any given day, if you mess one up, you have to start over. And that's why I started in June, the 75 day challenge and finished in October is because I messed it up a whole bunch of times um, getting it going. And incidentally, it was funny because I finished 75 hard a week after I finished the marathon. And 75 hard was the harder of the two. <laughs> but you know, we're talking about visualization. So, so a lot of this stuff that we talked about before, you know, as far as like, you know, eating right and learning something and all this stuff. You know, that all comes in in the first phase, but he's got another phase. And in the second phase, it's you have to do a power list. um, And so you have to write at least three things down and get them done every day. And then the other one is, is you have to add in uh, visualization. And so you have to spend 10 minutes visualizing what you want and how you're going to get it. Um, And and doing this kind of visualization like you're talking about. And then he also adds in, you have to take a a cold shower for, uh, I think, five minutes or one minute. I can't remember. Um, I'm getting ready to start it up so I've got to go figure out what that is but um, it's it's interesting too because all of these different things that we're talking about are things that you know successful people do it's it's not just this woo woo crap out there that people are making up
2: that sounds amazing I think Brooks and I are going to start that tomorrow right Brooks sounds good all right <laughs> I'm gonna I lost 40 pounds too. doing it but yeah really 75 hard is that uh, 75 days I imagine right
0: yes Okay. Very cool. yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes or in the chat for the show notes. Okay.
2: No,
1: I think that's really good. I think it's funny that, you know, cause I'm the, I'm the same way. As soon as I got over the fact that I felt like it was just woo woo and I just put my ego aside and started doing it. I feel like it makes a difference. And it, I mean, it makes sense too. When you look at, you know, just as far back as we go, people have been saying these things about meditating, praying, all these different aspects of getting your mind in the right state. I mean, It definitely, there's got, I feel like there are a lot of things like this that we're finally putting, you know, science or words behind that we've kind of already intuitively known.
2: Yeah. And now that there's science backing it, we can believe that it's true that much more, which makes it more powerful. Other than that, before that, it was just like theory and people kind of laughed it off in some respect, but uh, now that it's true and we can measure the results, it's uh, really cool what, what can, what can happen.
0: Yeah. I've also found though, that some of this stuff is more effective for some people than others. For example, um, people talk about meditation, you know, just sitting in, um, you know, kind of quietly being, and I've never had that really pay off in a big way for me at all. But, you know, I mean, it feels good and it's relaxing for me, but that's about it. But, you know, some of this other stuff, I mean, it's, it's a big deal for me. And so one other thing just to keep in mind is that, Some of this stuff, you know, your mileage may vary. And some of this stuff too, um, I found, at least for me, uh, I, I tried it. I did it for a while. I didn't really get why it was important. And then, you know, as I kind of matured into some of it, I figured out, oh, wow, now this is starting to pay off. And then other parts of it, I'm still waiting for it to pay off. So it just, you know, if it doesn't pay off for you right away, there's not necessarily something wrong with you. Um, I mean, try refining your technique because there may be something there, but, you know, um, some of it's discipline. Some of it is just going to, you know, take practice and some of it may never really pay off for you the same way it pays off for someone else.
2: Yeah. And sometimes you don't even know it's paying off. Someone has to tell you, like, I was in traffic the other day and somebody cut me off and I didn't really, it didn't bother me. But my wife says, you know, a month ago that you would have been screaming at that person. I'm like, you know what? I would have. You're right. And I think it's that meditation I've been doing. And she's like, I think so. So. I didn't even notice it. No, I
1: think that's a really important call out too, because especially for entrepreneurs, freelancers, you know, we lose sight of that. Everything about this is your own journey. So looking at the effects that you're going to get out of something is important. Like understanding that other people's journeys that you're seeing or, you know, you can you can do everything that somebody else did right to build their freelancing and their business up. But, you know, you you have to find your journey. And that's the hard thing about this is, you know, it's hard to find that community aspect, especially when everybody's kind of having to do what works for their situation
2: because they're all different.
0: Very true. Well, and I always want that easy win, right? I want it to pay off today, not, you know, in, in three months.
2: Yeah, that's the problem with a lot of the the stuff that you know I was talking about today, the creative visualization, the meditation, the all the other tips, you know, it, some of them aren't instant and it takes two, three weeks, if not two months, to start to see some benefits. And especially us Americans, we want to see things now. We want our burger in a minute or less and we start complaining with the manager, where's my burger? So um, yeah, it just it takes a little bit of patience. It's just like going to the gym. You know, you don't go to the gym once and expect to have huge biceps. You know, you gotta go you know every single day and work at it yeah and anything
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: anything worthwhile i mean is worth working towards and that's something that uh you know part of the reason that it took me so long to to get into freelancing was you know just fear of the unknown wanting to, you know not one but there's also this uh aspect where you just you When I started, I was trying to go for the quick wins. I was trying to find those things out. And if they didn't work out, I'd get really frustrated. When I switched my mindset and looked at, you know, like my podcast superheroes and my freelance superheroes, I was like, these guys have been doing this for a long time. I have to stop comparing where I'm at with where any of these people are at and just do the work. And once I took that mindset of I'm just going to do, you know, what I know is going to pay off for my long-term goals and stop looking for the short wins. Actually, that's when the short wins start happening as well, just as like a side
2: effect. Very good point. That actually goes into the book I'm writing um, called Undervalued. Uh, it's for all those entrepreneurs who see these Seth Godin's out there with millions of followers and just want to be like them. You know, I'm, I'm, I take him through the process of, you know, stop the envying and start building your audience, start building your brand, start building your reputation. And that's what the, the entire book focuses on. So. I'm glad you brought that up. So now I can plug my
0: book that's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think that's an
1: important thing. I just did, like I said, I just did the Seth Godin, the freelancer workshop. And it is hilarious how they break down your assumptions in the first few weeks of it. And, and it seems like, you know, it's almost like the, the boot camp model where they break you down and so they can build you into what they want. Well, they take the, your freelancer, uh, you know, how you've been doing things and they make you analyze them. And, uh, you know, they, they say, well, now, what assumptions are you making about what you should be or what you should do? And just drop those and just figure out what you want.
0: Very cool. I'll have to take the class. Awesome. So anything else on the list that we should jump into?
2: You know, I gave five solid tips. Um, you know, if if you wanted to go out and try to increase the neuroplasticity of your brain, I think uh, those five tips I gave you will definitely get you in the right you know, get you going in the right spot. I mean, if you want to deep dive into this, uh, you can go buy the book called The Power of Neuroplasticity. It's by Shad Helmstetter. Um, yeah, I think uh I think that's good for now. I could talk all day about neuroplasticity, but let's keep it to those five main tips and not not get too in the weeds.
0: Yeah. So besides that book, are there other authoritative sources that you know you can rely on? Because there's a lot that I think the reason we're leery of some of this is because there's woo-woo crap out there right that you know it it doesn't help or it doesn't help as much and so you know how do you figure out you know what 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 information you can rely on here yeah it's
2: tough I mean in every every industry you've got those gurus who have a big following, but they just spout out stuff that's just not true I mean as a marketer I'll tell you that uh, I spend a lot of my time uh, fixing stuff that other marketers have done uh, totally incorrectly, but they sold themselves very well. And I think it's the same case in the whole world of neuroplasticity. You've got uh, some pundits out there who don't really understand what it is and are putting out false information. So I'm doing my best to just um, put every, every tip I put out there uh, is backed by some kind of study or scientific research. So it's validated by a, a, a real science scientist or a scientific study by a college. Cool.
0: All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Brooks, do you have some picks for us?
3: Yeah, sure. So uh, speaking on the, you know, um, self-help or, um, you know, being a, an entrepreneur, I've I've gotten back into using uh, Nirvana HQ. It's the Get Things Done, um, basically digital, digitized instead of the notebook. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the GTD method, but um, this is an app that, you know, um, you can put all your to do's and, and everything in there, um, that I've, I dropped out of using it for a while and then I started using it last couple of weeks and it's really gotten me organized again.
0: Awesome. Uh, Brad, do you have some picks for us?
1: Yeah. So since we we're talking about, um, exercise and you know, how that affects your mental state, there's a book called spark by, uh, John Rady. It is fantastic. It goes over like, you know, how exercise affects brain function and things like that. It was a pretty interesting read. And I took I got some good takeaways from it. And then I'm going to plug Seth Godin's freelancer workshop. Uh, I'm finishing that up. And it has been amazing uh, offering perspective on, you know, how I can grow my freelancing, embrace my freelancing and, you know, kind of grow what I'm doing and into what I want it to be. Uh, and you know, and it's got a lot about like niching down and finding your audience and things like that, which, uh, that was a big pain point for me getting started was finding a niche and trying to, you know, I felt like I was forcing it for forever and I was trying to like do all different kind of weird stuff. And I don't know why it was difficult, but it really helped me with that. So I'll plug that as well.
0: Nice. Um, I've been picking Christmas movies, uh, for the, the last few weeks. Uh, this is the last week I'm going to be doing it. So I'm going to pick some classics, one that I really like that isn't actually an older movie. Sorry. Um, and then I'm going to pick one that, you know, is my favorite one that I have to watch every year. So um, the, the kind of the classic ones that I want to pick just kind of, cause they just good feelings from childhood uh, watching. These are the kind of clay animation, uh, stop motion movies that they made in like the sixties. So there's, Uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, The Little Drummer Boy. Um, So if you're into Christmas and you kind of want to watch these, uh, to me, they're just classic movies. Um, My kids watched them and I think there are others that they like better. But yeah, I remember just, you know, sitting and watching these movies growing up. So uh, I'm going to pick those. The other movie that I'm going to pick, this one actually came out in the 2000s, but it's not as well known. And it's one that... Um I I'm not sure exactly what it is cuz I generally don't like the the feel good movies that that people put out there it's just like okay you totally hammed this up this one's not so cheesy and it's got a really great message it's called The Ultimate Gift um it's an independent film but yeah just uh it, it's a it's a terrific movie and essentially the the premise of the movie is is that um there's a young man um he's kind of been living on Uh, trust fund, and his grandfather dies. And so he, uh, and and that's where the trust money has been coming from. So his, uh, he goes in to get his inheritance. And um, the lawyer essentially says, you have to come, you have to do these things in order to get your inheritance. And your your grandfather's going to give you the ultimate gift. And, uh, you know, so he has to go and, he has to go like work on a farm and anyway, so there's all this stuff that he has to go do. And, and, you know, it's kind of like life lessons that he has to, he has to learn in order to uh, get his inheritance. And then um, the, the last pick, and this is my favorite Christmas movie of all time is a Christmas story. Uh it came out in 1983. It, I, I can't even tell you, <laughs> I mean, there's so many great one-liners and jokes and funny scenes and, Anyway, it, it's my favorite. We watch it every year and uh, usually on Christmas Eve while Santa's putting out Christmas presents. So, so that's my pick there. And then as far as some of this other stuff that we've talked about for 75 hard, when I was training for the marathon and everything, um, I hired a coach. Um, you can find the company that I hired the coach through at McCurdy. That's M C K I R D Y trained.com. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. Um, and that worked out really, really well. they, they just gave me the workouts and I just went and ran them. So, um, if you're, if you're looking for a trainer and you want to go run a marathon or a half marathon or whatever, um, that's my pick. I'm trying to talk my wife into getting me a road bike for Christmas so that I can start doing triathlons now. Um, and I'm probably going to do another marathon in June. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where things are at with that. So anyway, um, Mike, do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show?
2: Yeah, very good. Very good tips, everybody. I
0: think I'll start off with
2: a shameless plug, freelancermasterclass.com. Actually for the holiday season, I just reduced the prices. It was $2,000 for a one-time purchase for the premium. And I just reduced it to like 50 bucks a month or something crazy. We'll see how that goes. I'm going to keep it up there for really cheap for a month or two. Um, so freelancermasterclass.com nine step process teaches you how to be a, uh, a really great freelancer and get the freedom back that you want. Um, and the money you deserve. Also, in regards to um, the book I was talking about, Undervalued, how mega profitable entrepreneurs can get what they want and how you can too. It's coming out uh, hopefully the end of March, but we'll see. Um, But sign up for that. That's on the website, freelancermasterclass.com. And then just to reiterate the two books that I talked about, uh, The Power of Neuroplasticity. If you want to learn more about your neuroplastic brain, check out Shad Helmstetter's book. It's called The Power of Neuroplasticity. And then uh, the other book I mentioned was called Peak Performance, and that's by Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus.
0: Nice. And if people want to find you online, where where do they go? Freelancermasterclass.com
2: and also mikevolcan.com. I'm I'm going on a speaking tour in 2020. So anybody out there who runs events or conferences wants me to talk, uh, check out mikevolcan.com. It uh it goes through a little bit about my experience with, with speaking and consulting.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, um, Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. All right. Well, We'll go ahead and wrap this one up, folks, and we will uh, come back at you next week. In the meantime, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.